just like that, hour number two is here on the Thursday edition. Chad, the weekend is here. Weekend you, has arrived. Go ahead and declare it. It's the weekend, everyone. <laughs> Great job. Way to go. You made it. Football's back tonight. Albeit, it's Chicago and Carolina on Thursday Night Football. Next week, though. Doesn't feel like a reason to celebrate. The weekend being here is a reason to celebrate. That game, NFL game tonight, not a reason to celebrate. Uh, Chicago can't lose tonight. Here's how. Uh, so, they're getting Carolina's pick. So, if Carolina, if they beat Carolina, that helps them obtain, they're one step closer to getting a, you know, the number one pick, right? They're also, if they, if Chicago loses, that moves them up the charts a bit too because they also will have a very high pick. So, you can't lose if you're drafting for the future. Yeah, it's... Um, Next week, though, Baltimore-Cincinnati, Thursday night football. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about. That, that's, Thursday's always the new weekend in football season, so we're going to keep it there. But next Thursday is more of a reason to celebrate the weekend. Yes. Well, Al Michaels celebrate. Al Michaels, you know, if, everyone, if everyone's saying it, you might should pay attention. It's not just a I couple know. critics that you're sounding off against. It's pretty much everyone acknowledging that uh, you're not the same. So uh, coming up in 20 minutes, Armando Salguero will join us. Uh, the latest uh, and more on, on the NFL going into week 10. Uh, also in, uh, at the end of the hour, Jim Nagy will join us from the Reese's Senior Bowl, the executive director, and we'll scout college football for the NFL draft uh, a bit later this hour. Just saw a quick uh, Hollywood report. Uh, the strike is over with the actors and the writers now, so everyone Good. can officially get back to work. But uh, that was yesterday. Uh, there's now a report that Yellowstone Season 5 Part 2, which will be the very end of the show, okay. will be coming back, but Kevin Costner will not be a part of it at all. <laughs> so what? I don't know if they just kill him off and they talk about it to start the next part of the final season and just say that he died off screen. Are they going to like on the show or how, going they, to how that's like going to happen? CGI or uh, uh, AI? Can you do it that way to show like a, a 30 second clip to open a. Season. Well, that that's a big part of the actor. Have him in a car. A big part of the actor strike was over AI rights because they signed away with contracts. Some of that where people can use them in movies yeah. and shows and their voice, and they want it back because of the different tricks you can do now with that. So I I don't think that would be the case. But report is out that Kevin Costner will not be a part of it. John Dutton not returning to the show's final batch of episodes which will be season five, part two. Also confirmed, there will be another Yellowstone that is going to be called, you ready for this, Putton? 2024 is the name of the new show. Since they have 1883 and 1923, okay. the new one is going to be 2024, starring Matthew McConaughey. And the thought is it's all going to be filmed on the Four Sixes Ranch in Texas. The show moves from Montana to Texas. Which is the spin off they tried to have, right? Or and that, that's where they'll get some Yellowstone um, characters going to Texas or being a part of the show. It just, uh, what pissed off Costner so much to where he won't finish or just film one scene? Well, I think, it's, I think both sides are pissed off now. I think he's pissed off Taylor Sheridan. But I don't, well, I don't know Costner's the background mad. to where, like, just go to him and film like one scene in front of a green screen. Yeah, I, I, you know? well, there's clearly that they've the relationship is soured um, because you're right. He could go for three days and shoot something, or yeah. they could come to him and shoot something, and they're just not doing it. I I hate this. I hate this development. Um, 
Deion Sanders, uh, recently on Dan Patrick, uh, doubled down and made it clear he's he's not going to be uh, taking a job in the NFL as a coach. Uh, as we top headlines, Sanders has said before that he would not want to coach in the NFL because of the the motivational factors behind who you're coaching. He doesn't want to coach guys who are making a certain paychecks and and more than the coach because the players have the power and I'm paraphrasing but he said that before and he's saying it again he has no interest whatsoever he told Dan I don't think I'm built for the NFL I don't think because I'm too I I appreciate the game so much I respect the game so much and what the game has consistently done for me for a multitude of years that when I see a guy getting paid millions and millions of dollars and he has no respect for the game and does not want to excel and exceed expectations of the game I'm gonna have a true problem so I think the kind of coach who would go out there with 53 and come back from halftime with about 32 is what he said um, with how he would handle certain players. Um, yeah, I, this this isn't surprising because he's been pretty straightforward on his opinions of what he wants to do and, and where, and it's not going to be in the pros. Yeah, I, I'd never – once you – and I'll be honest, you know, it's not like I'm watching Jackson State games when he's there. A ton. So what you know about Deion Sanders is what you know about Deion Sanders coming into. You know about primetime. You know about his personality as a player. You know about him when he was on television or, or doing shows. So that's what you knew about him. I didn't know as much about him from a coaching standpoint at Jackson State. The extent of my knowledge was on a 60 Minutes profile of him at the time. But the more you hear him and the more you watch him at Colorado, the guy is patently old school. Yes. I mean, he is old school as they come. He is going to offend more than he's going to be some cutting-edge guy that's giving players all the rights in the world to do whatever they want. He's going to get people leaving his program more often than not because he's going after them in a way. But now he's also going to attract the right type of player eventually that's going to want that type of discipline and someone that's going to tell them like it is the way that Deion Sanders will. That is not conducive to the NFL. So I've never viewed him as a big threat to leave for the NFL. His style, I don't think, I don't think it meshes with the NFL game, where it is much more of a that. But the head coach is still the head coach, but it's also a professional relationship of sometimes give and take in yeah. the NFL ranks with star players and the coach. And Dion's not going to be about that. But the thing is, like, so I'm I'm on the fence with this of whether or not he would be able to do what he's doing now there. And I, I realize uh, the, the money's a factor. Yes, there are guys that just go through the motions at a certain time. That's why I was asking uh, Tank Williams yesterday, like how many teams truly are locked in right now, just based on the quarterback play alone. But I'm, I mean, isn't it surprising that he's got the, he's he walks into Colorado and says, hey, uh, most of you guys aren't going to be here. Time to pack up. I'm going to recruit over you immediately. We're going to get better. There's a new standard, new sheriff. And then he does that. Turns over the roster, and he turns over the roster with players that absolutely want to follow him there or want to join him there. That's going to continue to happen. The assumption is he's going to crush it in the portal because they're so low right now in the class of 24 in recruiting. But Chad, if he's doing it here with some of the top players... Wouldn't some of the top players in the NFL want to play for him too? That would also be my assumption, is that he would recruit the talent just by being primetime. 
Yeah, and, but and I, that's I what he's doing at Colorado to the to the point where I mean they're they're a PR I, I machine. But here's the here's the problem. Yes, there are players who would want to go play for him in the NFL. The problem is he's going to have to answer to a billionaire owner in the NFL. He's right. going to have to answer yep. to the league. He answers to no one at Michigan. I mean, sorry, at, at Colorado right now. Right. He is his own boss. I or don't think anyone. the AD there or the president is telling him, hey, you cannot do this thing this way or you cannot say that in a press conference. When they do, he'll probably quit and leave That's fair. because he's going to do things his way. Can't do that in the NFL. If you go all willy-nilly and start bad-mouthing your entire offensive line and say, we need to cut these guys this week and go find new ones, and the owner comes in and says, hey, man, can't do that in this league. Or the GM's like, cap space, can't do it. Yeah, the salary cap says we can't do what you're saying. You know, We can't sign five all-pro offensive linemen the way you want to. Then it's not going to jive with him there. He can get away with whatever he wants right now at Colorado. But it, it, instead of like guys leaving the program with his old school approach, he's got guys storming the castle to join him. You know, that's the and that's the big. I don't. I don't. There's no one like him that does that. Just arrive somewhere and it's like, let's go. Well, let's let's Saddle be fair. Let's be go. fair with this too, because that is the perception. But here is Colorado, exactly where we thought they were going to be. They they might win four games. That's what a game or two better yeah, than the worst worst case scenario. Their over or under this year was what two? Yeah, so okay, they won four. Well, that's that's good. They got a hot start going, but who did they lure in? Dion Sun, a guy who was already at Jackson State, and Travis Hunter. Those are the two stars of the team. Yeah, they've got some good skill guys on there, but outside of that, most well, of these transfers are dudes that weren't playing. Right. At other schools that he got went in the transfer portal and got, but they're they're vastly better than what they were, and vastly and, better. And I want to say I'm, it's not just a one year snapshot. Where are they at this point next year, based on what they're about I, to do? I, I that, don't know. That's the big question. But what are they about to do? Well, uh, they're doing more right now than what I thought they would do. Well, they what did are they more doing in recruiting? recruiting than what I thought they did. Well, they're terrible in recruiting right now. Well, they're you not, had the right, you had yet. the stats yesterday, and they're what fifty and something. Yeah, but, uh, in high school recruiting, and you responded and said what. Well, they're going to go in the, the portal and try to do things, but that's an assumption. I don't know that they're going to get everybody uh, they want in the portal, right? Dion, like that's, Dion does it, though. But, I mean, he's the idea that uh, – Again, it's a, you're giving a very small snapshot of saying he's going, to, he's going to win maybe two games more than he was projected to win this year. He's talking about the, the both lines suck. On this team, he's yes. gonna have to go get completely new lines. That's where he'll. Dominate. That has yet to work in college football, by the way. There's no one that it completely turns over an offensive line or defensive line and doesn't develop within their program while also supplementing in the portal to have a good cohesive line. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, pump. Let's pump the brakes a bit on oh, this. Is what Dion does. Here's what he's going to do. I know what he's going to try to do. I think he's going to do well in the transfer portal. But we haven't really seen it. So far, his two big transfer portal finds are his son, his other son, and then another guy that's playing at Jackson State. Who are great. Yeah. Who are Again, great. Let, let's see it more, though, before we crown him. But I, the well, transfer portal we'll see, I think we'll see it more. I've, I've just seen more from him already than what I've seen from coaches who bolt and try to immediately win. Uh, and, and guys who do win, like Brian Kelly at LSU, aren't backing it up this year, in year two, 
where I think the expectation at Colorado is he's going to continue to stay. And uh, do I think he's at Colorado long-term? No, I don't. So that's the other point is like, where, where does he end up and how, how fast is that climb? Because it's already been, I mean, considering the, the former players who just jump in and the recruiting violations that we see because guys don't know the rules or whatever, he's managed this really well considering all of the hype, the circumstance around it. And I mean, he's on national TV every week and he's, I mean, he says a lot of what players want to hear. And a lot of the coaches, Nick Saban's going on weekly with McAfee because he wants to be relevant with Dion because Dion can yeah. name his name, his time and place. I don't know if there's another coach like that. You yeah, know, I, Davo's look, I, trying to defend the opposite stance. Yeah. You know, and he's defensive. Meanwhile, I'm Dion's saying, like, come on, come on. I'm just saying we think he's going to do well. I think he's going to do well. I, they've got 11 commitments right now. That number's going to go up in, in high school recruiting, and their ranking should rise. And I think they're going to do well in the portal. I, I just want to see another offseason of it. Because this first iteration of Colorado football is successful in that it got a ton of buzz. They won more early on than anyone expected. It, it's fallen back to what everybody thought as the season has gone on, and they've been less interesting as the losses pile up. The but Stanford loss is I, the big I, one. I want to see, see how nuking your entire offensive line on television and talking about how bad they suck and how you're going to go get new guys, I want to see how that plays in the offseason. And that's what he did with and the what locker what level room. of offensive linemen he gets in. He had nuking the, the, his, the, the guys he inherited at Colorado. I just want to see more. I, look, I, I'm with you, Hutton, in that I expect him to do well and better than Colorado's done the last 25 or 30 years. I just want to see what this next offseason looks like with how he recruits and, and who he brings in. I also don't think he's going anywhere for a, a, a while. And when I say a while, I'm saying five years. I, I think there's going to be a three- to five-year window where he's going to be at Colorado and not bolt for somewhere else because if he's going somewhere else, as we were talking about with this story, it's not the NFL – it's going to be some big-time program. Well, he's already it's said that Shador and Shiloh are going to the NFL draft together in 2025. Yep. So there so you go. There's that's that's uh, circle that date. Yep. As one. Um, but and yeah, who, I mean, who comes calling, and uh, what program that is going to be willing to let Dion be Dion totally, and really operate without a boss, and operate how he wants. What level of program will be willing to do that? That will also be enough to entice him to leave Boulder. I don't think that number is huge of programs that will both relinquish all control to Dion and be such a surefire heads and heads and shoulders better job than Colorado that he's going to leave for them. Well, but what we've already admitted though is how many of the programs that passed on him regret it right now? We've asked that a month ago. Um, I can tell you one. It should be Mississippi State. Well, I said that the moment that he was there in Jackson. Well, and they, whatever Florida State did to him. He's he's not wanting to coach for the Seminoles anymore. Well, Florida State, you know, they're in the playoff right now, so sure. I doubt they're upset with Norvell. But sure, I think. And look, Zach Arnett hasn't had much of an opportunity, and it was horrible circumstances oh, well, that he took the job. So I'm not trashing that guy or anything he's done at Mississippi State right now. I, I'm just saying that that would have made a ton of sense given what he did in Jackson, Mississippi, right down the road from Starkville, and what he could possibly do in the SEC in the Deep South. Could, could have been something to watch. That, that's the one I'm looking at and thinking, uh, we may be saying two years from now they'd like a do-over at Mississippi State. 
He's also got a legit offensive tackle that isn't uh, eligible to play right now because the NCAA won't pass the uh, the transfer waiver. Remember that from the preseason? The NCAA holding Top on to whatever tackle. little power they have left. Anywhere they can have power that, and, that and their fiefdom, they're going to hold on to it. That guy was also pointing to mental health. Yeah, that's right. That's the reason why he went with Dion. Yeah, they said he can't transfer again. Uh, maybe, maybe you should sue the uh, NCAA for $40 million. Yeah, and record a conversation in, yep. uh, with the phone. Uh, coming up, Armando Salguero joins us. The very latest on – there's a lot of injuries across the league, plus a couple of big matchups in Week 10. Armando next on Hot Mike. Chad, how would you describe the five spot with Donovan McNabb and Armando Salguero on Outkick? Riveting. Riveting National Football League coverage from two of the very best. One in the area of journalism, the other in the area of quarterbacking. That's yeah. how I would describe it, Hudson. Um, well, I'm Is that get good in, enough for you? It's great. Uh, it's not would just, that be the Apple podcast description of it underneath? Yeah. And I would say also, like, they also dabble in a little college discussion because they dabble. They talked Caleb Williams, future rookie uh, in the NFL coming up. And it's a week where 10 rookie quarterbacks will be starting a new record. Armando Salguero joins us on Hot Mike with Honey Withrow. Armando, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Uh, everything's great. I have not cried in a, in a while. Uh, Chad has so. some arms for you, though, if you'd like to. Yeah. Arms wide open. I could put this paper over you too, like Caleb Williams' mom, and just shield you from cameras as you sob uncontrollably in my arms. All right. Let me say something on that. Yep. So, Patton, who is General Patton, who was the Ajax General of the United States Army and the, one of the biggest butt kickers in World War II on behalf of the United States of America, he cried in front of his troops. Uh, when he needed, had to apologize for slapping that guy at the MASH unit. So he cried. I guess if there had been social media back then, they would have said, the guy can't lead, you know, a route of the Germans because he cried in public. Yeah, look, I, I think um, it's less to me about him crying. I, I, I like seeing a guy who cares. Yeah. Whether they win or lose, like we that reacted was actually, the same way. By the way, yeah, like that. That was you know, it was it was odd timing, but I was fine with it because it, got, it shows a guy who cares. If I'm drafting a quarterback, and Armando, you know this, and Donovan knows this, quarterback is the one area where you're looking at everything, right? For the leader of your team, it's not edge rusher, it's not offensive guard. You're looking at everything. I look at the painting, the fingernails, f whoever the opponent is. I look at his dad running his mouth about we'll just go back to USC or about partial ownership in a team. I look at him putting LOL about uh, 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 Max Duggan a year ago, being emotional and being injured in their game. I mean, there's just these little red flags. You know, I just want to go home and watch Netflix, you know, is the comment after the game also. It's less to me about the crying and more about accumulation of a number of things with Caleb Williams that with his talent on the field, albeit it's great, I would have some question marks. Would you have question that, marks? Uh, everybody's going to have, you know, question marks. We're getting started early on the, or we will be starting early on the anonymous personnel source that 
just devastates Caleb Williams' personality and character at some point. And, you know, it, it but makes him... But what will he score on the good. S2? That's what everybody really wants to know, right? Based on C.J. Stroud's. <laughs> we better get that, that S2 score right, because that really affected C.J. Stroud in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. So, I mean, look, everything gets put under the microscope, and, in, and obviously including, you know, the tape. Um, but at the end of the day, we've had a lot of guys who get put under the microscope and it looks really bad, like CJ Stroud last, you know, uh, draft cycle. And all of a sudden the stuff that was on the tape translated to the field and the CJ Stroud, is he, does he have a little bit of an edge? Is he a little different? Yeah. But he's also 14 to one. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio right now. And Caleb Williams is arguably a better prospect than what CJ Stroud was. So that's going to be an interesting conversation had by a lot of personnel departments. Yep. And the draft process is so cyclical, too, in the reporting. Like last year, we started with, uh, oh, is it going to be Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis? And then everyone goes around the table and everyone's hopping over each other based on reports. And by the end of it, Bryce Young's the number one overall pick. Um, and my guess is Caleb Williams, by the end of this, it'll be cyclical. It'll be back to where we were before the season kicked off and the expectations of who's going to try to tank for, uh, for Caleb Williams, which is also laughable. Um, not cyclical has been the uh, reporting surrounding the hot seat for Bill Belichick. What do you make of the latest report from Ben Volan, who even just throws it out there that from what he heard and what sources have told him that it's pretty important that Bill Belichick went, win in Germany uh, on Sunday morning against the Indianapolis Colts. Isn't that bizarre? I would want to tell you that it is. Let me share a story with you. Okay. So in 2015, the Miami Dolphins went to uh, the UK and they were something like, I think, uh, one and two or something like that, or maybe one and three. And I asked a source within the team, is it possible that Joe Philbin, who was the coach at the time, gets fired if he doesn't come back with a win? And what I expected was no comment or you're crazy with four games into a season. What I got was, yes, it's possible. Uh, absolutely, it's possible. He needs to win to, you know, to keep his job for sure. So I'm assuming that that exercise is what Ben Bolin went through within the team, okay? I don't know sure. who Ben's source is, but I'm assuming he did that. And if he reported it, I'm assuming that someone within the team is telling him that, and I would take it seriously. Do I think it's a wise move? No, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, because you don't do that to Bill Belichick uh, the second week of November. You just don't. Um, and I think that the, that the departure of Bill Belichick from the New England Patriots will be a negotiated and on, on the, you know, in, on the front door, in the windows, it'll be amicable, 
even though behind the scenes and in the warehouse, it'll be a war. Yes. And it, similar to the Brady exit, right? Like it, we know Belichick and Brady were in the middle of this and Kraft tried to have the meeting going. He met with Brady. All three were not there. Apparently it, you get where I'm going. It, it, it feels the same way between Kraft and Belichick, but let me just spin it this way. Why fire him when you could potentially trade him? You're absolutely right. That, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, to trade someone, someone has to be into it, mm-hmm. wanting to do it. And my guess is Bill Belichick is one of those guys that if he, he gets fired, he will be in a poor mood. Ask, you know, he has, he has this, um, this streak about him. Ask the New York Jets about that. Yes. And so, um, uh, you know, again, there will be lawyers, gentlemen. There will be lawyers. Armando Salguero with us, Outkick.com's senior NFL reporter. Uh, week 10 is not not great. Uh, and it's because of 10 rookie quarterbacks that are starting this week. Uh, but also because you have some really good teams on the bye week. The Chiefs, Dolphins, and Eagles are not included in the schedule. Uh, but 10 rookie quarterbacks, I was I told Chad this yesterday. My perception is there were like three or four, just because that's all we talked about during the draft process, right? And we're now up to 10. Offenses uh, are not, not scoring a lot of points this year. And based on this, it doesn't seem like that's going to improve anytime soon. Correct. And it, look, we're getting a lot of quarterbacks that are honestly playing because something terrible and catastrophic has happened within the roster, right? Yes. There's no reason why Tyson Bagent should be playing for the Chicago Bears other than the fact that Justin Fields dislocated his thumb. They did a terrible job of putting the roster together, and they had this, this kid who didn't expect to be in the NFL ascending to a starting job for, for a month. And you wonder why the Chicago Bears might have uh, a little bit of turnover after the season. So there's that. Obviously, you're getting situations where um, at least we don't got we don't, you know, the Raiders are 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 never expected to have to play Aiden O'Connell and never expected him to be better than Jimmy G, right? Uh, and yet here we are. He is better than Jimmy G. So that's that's the good side. The bad side is being better than Jimmy G is still, you know, 16, 17 points a game, and it's not gonna take you anywhere. The bottom line is um I like like to look at it as glass full. CJ Stroud has 14 touchdown passes and one interception. He's a rookie and he's doing something as a rookie that was last done by Tom Brady in 2016, which is to have an NFL record 14 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. Brady's was 28 to 2, which is still 14 to 1. Uh obviously Stroud the rookie is uh is fighting for Salguero's Rookie of the Year award or Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, vote. And so far, he's got it. 
So I, I asked the question last week, Armando. You were very dismissive uh, of the question about the Vikings and whether or not oh. they were done. <laughs> and here, here's Josh Dobbs. This year's Lions. Under two minutes left, <laughs> leading a come-from-behind victory down in Atlanta. Uh, so I'll, I'll ask you again, are the Vikings officially dead or is there life with that team now with Dobbs at quarterback? Um. <laughs> You did this to me last year with the Detroit Lions yep. and I resisted you and resisted you and finally prevailed. I believe that this year I will once again prevail <laughs> with this reporter's insistence. You're vexing me with row. You're vexing me. And I do believe that the Minnesota Vikings look who they beat last week. Was it Atlanta? It was. They beat Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta good? They're looking they good? worse. They looked okay to start the year, but the last they two had weeks a, they had, they had a quarterback good. that went through camp with them. That's yeah. true. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Atlanta's <laughs> going to have a new coach at the end of the year if that guy's not careful. Yeah, he lost right. to Josh Dobbs three days after he showed up to work. Um, so, look, the Vikings were a good story. Josh Dobbs, nice story. No. No. What is the story? I'll check back next week. Yeah, we'll ask you next week. <laughs> What's the story over the second half of the season for the Cleveland Browns? And I ask this because they're playing Baltimore at Baltimore this week. They're five and three. The six and three Browns, they're playing in the toughest, comp, uh, the toughest division all four teams are in currently. What, what is, what's capable for Watson? What's at stake for Watson? over the second half where he can change the perception of you've been awful, this is the worst contract, compared to he can loud lead the Browns to the playoffs based on where they are in the, in the standings. What's capable for Watson is he has the best defense in the NFL on his side. So that helps. Yes. <laughs> it means you don't have to score 30, 32, 35 points a game. You're going to win a lot of 19 to 17s. And what's also capable is he was playing – okay when he got hurt his best game i believe was was it against tennessee week three uh right and and then he got hurt and he is working his way back towards that he is not a hundred percent he's clearly not a hundred percent but the belief in cleveland is that he's making progress and he will be a hundred percent and once he is there maybe next week, maybe the week after, then they will be a team that will have a quarterback that can do things when the defense on rare occasions lets the team down. So that's that's the Cleveland hope. And you mentioned it. Um, they play in a great division right now. I mean, Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate. Joe Burrow is maybe playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL. Uh, it, Pittsburgh just knows how to win. And then the Browns have the great, great defense. Uh, literally 15 seconds here. Any chance that on Monday night, the Broncos shock everybody and they beat Buffalo? A lot of people are worried about the Bills. They should be. They, they have no consistency. I don't believe Josh Allen has, you know, takes the coaching that yeah, his no. offensive coordinator and the staff are giving him. He's he's a free agent on the field, and, and that's not always good. Armando, no free agent. You can find him at uh, outkick.com, and uh, he's 
nice enough to join us weekly. We always love these visits, Armando. Have a great week and enjoy week 10. Skull, Withrow, skull. Hey, get ready for that question next week. Have your response prepared, Armando, for whatever happens as Josh Dobbs wins again. Chad's Joshua Tree is Joshua Dobbs. That's right. That's right. Uh, Armando Salguero. If you can't get along with Armando, that's a you problem. Josh Dobbs also a big U2 guy to complete really? the tie-in. And Creed now all of a sudden. Yeah. Stay tuned. Very Jim Nagy joins bands. us next. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on from 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, the host for our Outkick Studios. It's always an adventure here, Hutton. Yeah, it is. Every day. Never know what you're going to get. Same could be said for uh, Jim Nagy and the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl and the work he does with all the, the scouting going into the, the draft process. He goes and scouts someone, watches a game. He never knows what he's going to get. That's right. Every time. That's right. Jim, how are you, man? I'm doing good, guys. So, uh, did, did I see the report correct that now juniors are eligible for the Senior Bowl? They are. Um, let's not even go down the road of what our game is called. So, uh, sorry, I forgot to turn my ringer off here. Oh, you're good. Yeah, that came, that came out yesterday. And we have been, uh, you know, we've been having juniors in the Senior Bowl for a couple of years now. Well, 10 years now. Uh, we get guys that are graduated. Right. So, it is a little new. Uh, we're getting the guys that haven't graduated yet, but we've been in talks with the with the league office since August about this, so it didn't catch us off guard. Um, it's something the teams have been wanting to do for a long, long time. I think that uh, there was always hesitation on the league office's part a little bit just to, you know, you don't want to upset the apple cart with college football. It's, you know, as, as everyone talks about, it's kind of a free feeder system um, to the NFL. But uh, I think where college football is at right now with NIL and Portal, um, the actual number of juniors that are coming into the draft has, has decreased significantly uh, since 2019. I think that number spiked in like the 140s. And uh, this past year, it was down around 70. So it's been about cut in half in the last three years with uh, this NIL money, you know, really essentially buying players back into school for another year. So, uh, yeah, it's going to make it's going to be a great thing for our game. Really excited about it. Um, it's going to ratchet up the star power. Uh, of our game even more we'll probably have you know we're usually we're at about 40 players in the top 100 uh, that get drafted out of our game and now we're you know I'm expect that number to uh, to go up significantly so do you uh, I'm not I don't think it's that complicated but do you have to scramble a bit not how, how long have you known that this rule was going to be in effect essentially so you could actually factor in certain invites at positions because you've told us you were looking at six to eight quarterbacks but were you doing that through the lens of this this new framework? Um, yeah, it's a great question. We've, uh, like I said, since August is when we start having these discussions. Okay. So yes, our, our scouts have been out all fall watching juniors as well. Um, obviously, didn't didn't want to go public with all that, but uh, we've built the board out all fall upstairs with with juniors on it. Um, and again, we're just waiting to see if it was if they were going to make the call or not. We we were ready to proceed one way or the other. If it was just a pretty much an all senior game or uh, if we we're going to have these juniors in the mix. So, but yeah, I, you know, my phone's been ringing off the hook the last uh, 24 hours with agents because now they're trying to get juniors that they're talking to in, into the mix um, for the game. And I've assured them that we have, uh, we've accounted for those guys. So yeah, we're planning on, you know, with the, with the quarterback thing, I don't think the number changes. It just might affect a couple of the, 
the seniors that would have been in the mix are now kind of pushed out to make way for a couple couple of the juniors. Jim Nagy with us, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, through the lens of we're going to see guys that choose to opt out of a bowl game coming up next month. Um, the transfer portal has played a, a, a factor into NC State's quarterback. He's shutting it down. He's going to enter the portal. He's already announced it. Uh, from the flip side, because I don't think we look at the flip side all that much, Brock Bowers is going to return at some point for Georgia. How much does that factor in to how teams view him? Because we always ask the question about the guys who opt out, not the guys who stay in. It certainly helps. I mean, in Brock's case, there's not there there's not much separation there, right? He is unquestionably the number one tight end in this class. Um, he, you know, where he's jockeying now is with the other guys in that top ten to top fifteen range, really. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think watching the tape and identifying the talent is is really the easy part. And then up there at the top top, I mean, you're trying to really find where the greatness is going to be, and, and some in greatness usually. Um, is in the makeup of the player. So, you know, if Brock's wired that way competitively to come back and rejoin that Georgia football team for the home stretch here and trying to help them win a third straight national championship, obviously that will be viewed in a positive light by the teams um, that he's choosing to do so. And he's about his teammates. He's not being selfish about this. I'm sure just like a lot of these players, Brock's going to have people in his ear telling him to to shut it down. Uh, And if he, and if he goes against those people and, and goes what's in his heart, and that's to, you know, go get back on the field for Georgia. Again, I think I think that will help separate him, not at the tight end position, but help separate him there in that, you know, that top 10, top 15 conversation. Do you feel like Caleb Williams has, has helped himself or hurt himself uh, this season so far with his play? I know it's not going the way USC wanted, mainly because the defense, but with everything going on, what do you see in him this season as opposed to last? Uh, you know, Again, it's hard for me to say because I haven't, you know, spent a ton of time on Caleb. I just know from the outside looking in, just periphery, because I have watched other players on their offense. So you can't help but see Caleb in some of the plays he makes. But, but yeah, I mean, their defense has struggled. They haven't played complimentary football. Uh, Caleb's turned the ball over some. He's forcing the issue a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's, again, plenty of stuff on social media about, so, you know, the way he's handled himself in certain situations, I mean, that's the whole separate issue. Um, I don't know. I mean, it would it would have been hard to go up from where he was last year, winning the Heisman Trophy and having the sensational season that he had. Um, but again, even last year, they didn't win the bowl game. They lost to Tulane. So I think I think teams are looking for this guy to win some big games. Um, you know, you're, you think a guy's going to be a franchise quarterback and an all-time quarterback and the word generational was thrown out when we talked about this guy. I mean, at some point you got to win a big game, right? Um, and he is really yet to do so. So uh, again, that's, that gets into the nitpicky part of the draft where teams are really going to start. You know, yes. Is Caleb talented? Yes. It doesn't take an expert scout to watch tape and watch games on TV and see this guy's super talented. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, you got, you got to win. You got to, you got to lift your program. You got to rise above, you know, bad defensive play. Um, so, th- you know, again, he's going to be in a conversation with Drake May and some other guys. I mean, this is, I don't think this is as clear cut as a lot of people made it out to be when we started the year that he was just the number one guy. And uh, I, I mean, early in the season, I think it was Emmanuel Acho put it out there that he should just shut it down and, you know, get ready for the draft. I mean, to me, that, that would be a terrible thing for this guy to do right now. I think he's, I think he's still got a lot to play for. Uh, to me, if I'm a team that wants to draft a franchise quarterback, there's still things I want to see him do. 
Yes, and we're hearing that too much. Acho said that about Caleb Williams. J.C. Treader is saying that about potentially, you know, uh, maybe you've got an injury that maybe you're, you're yeah. actually injured and not hurt, whatever. That's, that's just dumb uh, about the running back position. Jim, um, we know we dissected with you Penn State whenever they took on Ohio State. From the Michigan-Penn State matchup, Jim Harbaugh said in, in, in the preseason in, in, in camp, he legitimately believes there's 20 players that could be drafted that that are, that are NFL players that could make an NFL roster that are on his roster currently. Do you see that? Um, and, and, and I know that all 20 may not necessarily be uh, or turn pro or be eligible. They may come back. Who knows? But how talented is Michigan from an NFL perspective compared to what we always think about Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and I'm just saying this based on where they are in the, the recruiting rankings, for instance, where they're a bit down uh, in, the, in the teens compared to where the, the top recruiters are. 20 players, though, is legit. Yeah, it'd be an all-time record, so it's certainly legit. legit. Uh, I think, uh, I think a, a few things. You threw a lot at me there, I would say. Uh, I think they are going to get some of these guys to come back. Talking to the guys up in Ann Arbor, I think they'll get a few of these guys back. I think a few of them haven't made the jump. Uh, maybe okay. that like our, our staff hope, hope they would. Um, I think so far the tape has been hard to really get a handle on because of the level of competition. I think a lot, a lot's been made of, of Michigan schedule so far, and that's fair. Um, I mean, it's hard. I mean, some of the teams they've played, they're not playing against NFL folks. So there hasn't been a lot of matchups. I think if you're a Michigan player, um, you got to be fired up for Saturday and you got to be fired up for that last week, that last Saturday in November against the Buckeyes, because, um, you can really, I mean, you can help yourselves those two weeks. You're finally getting a chance to play, have some NFL matchups. So, yeah, I think that, uh, 20 was probably in that range, 15 to 20 to start the year. Again, I think some will come back. I think the difference between the Bama teams and the Georgia teams is a lot of those, a lot of that was high end first and second round talent. I don't think this Michigan team has that. I think they have a lot of really good, solid football players that are more in that mid-round conversation. So uh, I don't think Jim was wrong when he said that 20 players. I think you could have made a case for that preseason. Um, but again, I, I don't think it's you know a bunch of top 100 draft picks. I think it's more more middle-round guys. Not that there aren't a couple up in that range, but, right. but not the bulk of like Alabama. If, back in the day, Alabama would have 12 guys drafted and 10 would be in the first three rounds. It's it's not like that. Yeah, and four in the first, right? Like, and that, But I ask this because this is right up your alley. Because you're not only you're identifying like those guys, you're identifying players who aren't necessarily receiving an invite to the NFL Combine, right? Like Kevin, Kevin Byard went to the Senior Bowl. He wasn't invited to the Combine. He's drafted in the third round. Are you identifying just just off of pure traits or is this like a recommendation of like, Hey, we've got five or six teams that are like, we need to see this guy. And you've got a, you've got a consensus of a, a small consensus that, okay, we're going to at least give this guy a shot against premier talent at the bowl and the practices. Yeah. We always want to bring the best talent for sure, but that's a really good point. I mean, part of it too is letting these NFL teams see what they want to see in, in yeah, I feel like I work for the 32 GMs. That's why I feel like sure. I work for the city of Mobile, Alabama. That's why it works. And I feel like I work for the 32 GMs. Um, those are the two people I feel like I serve in this role. So, um, yeah, like last year, Tyson Bajant, the quarterback who's going to be starting tonight for the Chicago Bears. You know, could we have brought Aiden O'Connell from, from Purdue here who's going to start this weekend for the Raiders? Yes, we could have, but Aiden was a three-year starter in the Big Ten, and he and Tyson's cards were really, really close on our board. 
why not bring the division two kid who everyone needs to see against good, good competition and make, you know, and let them make their evaluation. So when we get in those situations where it's close, um, yeah, we'll bring the Kevin Byard or, or someone like that, that, that really needs to prove themselves. 10 rookie quarterbacks set to start this weekend. Uh, the, the NFL record there, um, other than Bajan, who we've, uh, we, we know that you invited, he's the, what the D two Heisman winner. Who are you, yeah. who are you impressed by so far of this group? that you feel like is going to build on the second half of the season potentially? Well, I mean, the layup, C.J. Stroud, he's been great. Um, he's really surpassed my expectations. But, I mean, it's hard. I don't I think anyone would have sat here and, and you don't think any rookie quarterback's going to do what C.J. Stroud's done so far. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, and, it, and it's weird with this class. You're saying 10 rookies. And it really was a hard class last year for the Senior Bowl. I mean, of, of the five five previous years that I've been in this role, it was our first year in seven years. We didn't have a first rounder down here. Um, and it was really like a draft of all middle round draft picks. I mean, these guys were all fourth, fifth, sixth round quarterbacks. So for 10 already to get on the field is, is kind of crazy to think. But um, I'll be interested to see how Bryce Young does tonight against the Chicago Bears. You know, yeah. Bryce has had his moments, but, you know, I think right now he's getting overshadowed by CJ. I don't love the conversation that everyone's already saying right Bryce Young off, but uh but yeah, it's certainly an interesting year with all these young guys getting pushed on the field. I know that uh, the teams that are playing these guys did not foresee these guys getting on the field so early. Jim, just uh, about 30, 45 seconds here. Chad, where is Carson Beck in the Heisman rankings now? Uh, Vegas odds fifth in the Heisman race right now. Carson Beck. What do you make of Carson Beck in Georgia as they take on Ole Miss this weekend? Yeah, good prospect. Um, he's really played well the last month of the season. Um, he's probably, if he came out in this year's draft, would be in that third or fourth round range. Um, we're okay. hearing everything we're hearing coming out of Athens is they want him back in school. Um, so I'm going to call uh, Coach Smart and see what he wants us to do there with that invite. I'm guessing he'll want us to uh, keep it here in Mobile and not send it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's played really well this last month. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Thanks for uh, for joining us uh, on the, uh, the backup time here, and uh, we look forward <laughs> to this. We uh, seriously every week, uh, great insight. All right, guys, have have a great weekend. Thanks for putting me off a day. No, thanks, man. John. Oh, so I could get, so I could get off the road. Thanks, thanks for guys. accommodating. Yeah, Jim Nagy, there. <laughs> uh, busy time for him. Three weeks left in the season, then uh, bowl season. Haven't even thought about Carson Beck as a pro prospect until that analysis there. Where, is, where is Joe Milton as a pro pro? Is he draftable now? That's a good question. I'd is have he to an do undrafted? Some... Uh, that's stunning to me, man. Yeah, it was uh, going into the year, he was kind of the guy that could skyrocket like an Anthony Richardson. Just the build? And, yes. Yeah. Uh, I feel I, like someone's going to draft. I do too. Uh, Aiden O'Connell was supposed to be an undrafted free agent. He was drafted. He was drafted in the fourth round. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see someone we fifth, sixth round. We could table that question for, uh, yeah. for Jim next week. Coming up, more college discussion. Withrow's got his top ten games of the college football weekend next with a hot mic with Ed and Withrow.